Uh, you, you like movies? Okay, at least Harry does. He likes movies. And, and you know the thing about movies is that the plot ha always has to do with someone who needs to be rescued. It doesn't matter what kind of movie it is, if it's a Disney movie or if it's a, 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 any kind of movie. I, I remember growing up and watching uh, uh, Indiana Jones. And, and, and I love those movies because there always had, was something that needed to be rescued. There was an amazing effort to reach something that was virtually impossible. And this man with his whip and his hat had to go against the Nazi army every time. It was an amazing thing. But we know one thing, that we knew one thing from the beginning, that he was going to get the mission accomplished because he was Indiana Jones. But see, in life, in, the, in real life, there's been rescue missions. In fact, in 1976, there was a, 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 an event that took place in, in Africa. In 1976, Flight 256 from Fran Air France was taken by, by uh, uh, a terrorist militia. And what happened is that they took the flight with 250 passengers. They took them to Uganda. And as they were trying to, to rescue these hostages in the plane, they discovered that the government of Uganda was favoring the terrorist group. So they planned one of what's known today as one of the most impressive rescue missions in history. 200 Israeli soldiers were called to come and rescue these uh, uh, hostages. And what happened was that in, the, in, in two days, they came and, and they tried to negotiate with these people, but they discovered quickly that there was no negotiation possible to free the hostages. So there was a gunfight. And all the hostages were freed. They only, there was only one casualty from the Jewish army. And his name was Jonathan Netanyahu. That was the oldest brother of the prime minister. So this great and amazing rescue mission caused the life of one Jewish commando. But in history, there has been an even greater rescue mission that took the life of one Jewish commando. If you open your bulletin, we'll find in your notes, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It was our Bible text reading for this morning. And it says, we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to the cross because he knew that later he would be glad that he did. Because later he knew that he'd be glad he did. Now the question is, why is the event of Jesus dying on the cross, why is the event of Jesus resurrecting on the next day such an important rescue mission? What makes this rescue mission the greatest of all history? I'd like to suggest to you a couple of things, a couple of reasons why this is the greatest rescue mission in history. 
And the first thing that I want to share with you is that because Jesus died and resurrected, that he gave us total forgiveness of everything I've ever done wrong. He gives us total forgiveness of everything I've ever done wrong. See, in Colossians 2.14 says, God wiped out the charges and canceled the record of all the times we've disobeyed God's commandments. Isn't that assuring? Now, see, I was, I was reading a, a, a while ago a report from one of the government uh, websites on debt and economy. And, and uh, they give a statistic that the average household in America owes $16,000 on credit card debt. That is not counting uh, car payments or, or mortgage or student loans. It's just credit card debt, $16,000. And I know probably some of you are like going, yeah? And so we're like, oh, man, no, mine is only $15,000. But uh, <laughs> when we think about debt and when we think about all the things that we have to pay, the sacrifice of Jesus, this rescue mission would be, Something better that if someone calls you in the morning, you know those calls that you get from a number that you don't identify? And you answer it. And they say your name and you're like, yeah. And they say, you know, sir, you know, you know uh, 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 madam, what happens is that the reason why I'm calling you is because someone has already paid all your debt. Has already paid all your bills. You won't ever have to pay another payment on your house. Wouldn't that be awesome? But see, what happens is that what Jesus did on the cross is even greater than that. Because see, the debt that we, that we owe on earth, the credit card payment, the house payment and the car payment, we can pay it ourselves. At least we should. And it's possible that we can pay it. But the one debt that we could never pay by ourselves is the debt of our sins and transgressions. And Jesus already paid it all. All of our debts. In, in Ephesians 1.7 says, in Christ we are set free by the blood of, the, of his death and so we have forgiveness of his sins because of God's rich grace. Because of God's rich grace. Now, there's a couple of things that we need to understand. Because see, we at times make this notion that because Jesus died and, and, and because of his grace, he forgave our sins so we can go sin freely because he forgives us. But, but, but see, let me explain something to you. There's three words we need to remember. The first one is justice. Can you say justice? Justice. And justice means receiving what we deserve. That's justice. You agree with that? The Bible says that because we're all sinners, we deserve to die. That is justice. The second word that we need to remember is justification. Can you say justification? Checking if you're away on Easter week. Justification means that you don't have to pay what you owe. 
That does not make you innocent. It just says that we, that you and I don't have to pay what we owe. And because the wages of sin is death, we don't have to die because we have been justified. Now the third word is grace. And grace means receiving something better than what we deserve. And that is exactly what Jesus did. He justified us through the cross to clear justice and to give us something better than we deserve. Not just not dying, but living eternally with him. In Romans 4 verse 25 says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. That is justice. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God, to justify us. And because of his resurrection, he gives us the promise that we can live eternally with him. So the first reason why this is the greatest rescue mission in history is because he offers us total forgiveness of everything that we've ever done wrong. The second reason is because he gives us the healing power of Jesus in our lives. The reality of our, of our time, the reality of our life is that we all need healing in some way. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that for some of our healing needs, the only way that we can receive them is through the cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Jesus personally took our sins in his body on the cross so we could die to the grip of sin in our lives and be free to live in the right way. You are healed by his wounds. In other words, what this phrase is saying, what this text is telling us is that Jesus died so that we can be saved. Now, there is something interesting about this. Because the Greek word for salvation is the word soter. Can you say soter? And soter is more than just salvation from something bad. It means healing. It means freedom. It means letting go of the chains that are holding you down. So what Jesus came to do was not just to give us eternal life after he comes to take us home. But is to give us freedom here today. So that now we can experience the life that we'll have in heaven. So heaven family can start today. But the way that it begins is when I allow the power of Jesus to work in my life. Isaiah puts it this way in chapter 53 verse 5 but he meaning Jesus was wounded and crushed for our sins and was beaten that he might have that we might have peace and he was whipped so that we could be healed so there's a redemptive suffering that Jesus had to go through so that we can experience the healing in our original estate 
before sin, there was no sickness, there was no suffering, there was no sorrow, there was no death. And that is exactly what Jesus came to restore. Our original state. But when humans rebel against God, the system was broken. Our bodies begin to die. Our mind began to be affected. Our relationships were damaged. So Jesus wants to soter all of that. So on earth, the one thing that was missing was the healing element. The thing that could make all things new again. The thing that could restore. The beautiful thing is that you don't, you don't need to buy it on eBay. Because Jesus gives it free. Matthew 9 verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the Jewish synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now there's an unfortunate fact. That before the second coming, Jesus is not going to heal every single sickness. That's an unfortunate fact. But if that where the truth that Jesus would heal everything before his return, before we, we experience eternity, we would not have a need of him. So the reality is that God allows certain unwelcome and unwanted situations so that we can long for his healing power in eternity. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17 says, The power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. So where do we need healing today? Emotionally healing? Maybe from hurts, memories, damaged emotions, bad relationships? Maybe we need financial healing from the pressure that has piled up and the debt. And their responsibilities. Maybe we need relational healing from broken and damaged relationships and friendships. Maybe we need mental healing from compulsive thoughts that make us go in circles. Maybe we need physical healing. But perhaps what we need is the spiritual healing. From the strain between you and God. From the things that keep us from committing completely to God. But on the cross, Jesus promised that all of our sins were forgiven. And that he can heal everything. Another reason why this is the greatest rescue mission in history is because Gives us the power to break free from controlling forces. This is what we call true freedom. Now the reality is that we have the power to let things control us. That's the reality. We let, we let outside forces control our moods. We let outside forces control what we watch. In fact... 
There's outside forces that control our likes and dislikes. Oftentimes it's our past. Oftentimes it's our fears, our memories, culture, the weather, the devil, money. People who've hurt us. Just simply theologically said our old nature. But if you know the Lord, you have two things, two competing forces that are acting in your mind and in your heart. And that is what we call the constant battle between God and the enemy. In fact, the term, the name Satan in Hebrew means the enemy, the adversary. Because that is the force that is trying to control you to keep you away from God. And this battle is constant. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Our old sinful selves were nailed to the cross with Christ so that sin might lose its power on our lives. So you see, it is at the cross that sin not only begins to die because of what Jesus is, but it's when we come to the cross that we allow the power of Jesus to begin gaining ground in our lives. But we have to come to the cross. The message version of the Bible says it like this, and I love the way it says it. Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. Our old way of life. A decisive end to that sin, miserable life, we're no longer at sin's every beck and call. Because see, it, it is a, a, a cycle that occurs that, that occurs to each one of us. And, and spe specifically happens after an, our spiritual high. You see, it could be a song, could be a, a week of prayer, could be a, an event, could be uh, a day like today. Where, where you say, God, I want to commit to you. And you go back home and you, you, you remember that song that we sang before the message or the, or the last song. And, and you're humming. But then Sunday morning comes. And see, what the devil wants is that we leave Sabbath on Sabbath. And what God wants is that we can live Sunday as we live on Sabbath. So what do we need to come back to the cross? Because it's there where the power is given. See, in the Old Testament, there's a story that is one of my favorite stories. You see, in the time of the kings, life was very, very difficult, especially if you were from the last royal family. Because, see, when a new king would rise to power, they would make sure that everyone who was part of the family of the previous king would be put to death. In case they wanted to take the throne, the throne back. And there's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 that there was a little boy, a little boy who was from the family of, of Saul. In fact, he was Jonathan's, King Saul's son, son. And the news came to town that his father and his grandfather had died in battle. So the babysitter took him out of his room and tried to take him to safety. And as they jumped a wall... The boy landed on his feet and his ankles broke. Not taken to proper care because of the fear of being put to death because he was part of the royal family. His feet never healed properly. 
So he had to walk with aid. His name, Mephibosheth. And what happened to him was that when David came to the throne, he asked one of his servants, Seba, is there anyone left of the house of Saul? Is there anyone left from the family of Jonathan? And the servant was kind of worried because he didn't know the intentions of the king. And he said, you know, my king, there's one. There's only one. But, but he's lame. So you don't have to worry about him, really. And the king said, you know, I want to find him. So he sent soldiers to find this crippled boy. Can you imagine as he's hiding in Lodevar? Lodevar means where nothing grows. He's hiding there and there's a knock at the door. And he looks through his phone and he sees that there's soldiers outside. And now he's concerned because he knows what soldiers meant. And when he opens the door, the soldiers ask, are you the son of Jonathan? Are you Mephibosheth? Yes, I am. Now the blood runs down from his head to his feet because they said, you need to come with us. The king wants to see you. And he's taken to the palace. And as he's taken to the palace, David is waiting for him on the throne. And as he's sitting on the throne, David sees this man approaching and asks him, are you the son of Jonathan? Are you Mephibosheth? And this lame man holding to his crutches says, yes, I am. And David, with a tear running down his cheek, he tells Mephibosheth, you know, I love your father. And because of the love that I had for him, you are going to eat at my table. From this day on, you are going to eat at my table. Can you imagine that first dinner when Mephibosheth came to the table of the king? I can only picture it like this. When the dinner time came and the servants made the call for the royal family to come to the royal table for dinner. Out of the library reading a book with his glasses halfway down his nose is Solomon. Reading a book, walking to the dining table. From her room, the beautiful Tamar. Perhaps brushing her long hair. Looking in the mirror. The Bible says that she was so beautiful. Walks down to the dining room. And there, another son of David. The Bible also saying that he was so beautiful. Absalom. He could have made a commercial for Vidasa soon. His hair was so long. Walking to the dining room. And then, bronzed by the sun, with his blonde, curly hair, 
handsome face with his royal robe and crown is King David marching down. And as this table surrounded by beautiful faces and perfect bodies is awaiting, the door opens. And as the door of the dining room in this long room with this long table covered with the best food that anybody could get, there is a sound hitting those marble floors. Clank, 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 clank. And the clank sound is getting louder and louder because Mephibosheth is approaching the table. But now, he lets go the crutches because he sits at the table. And he discovers one thing. That at the king of the table, at the, at, the, at the table of the king, everyone is covered but the same tablecloth. There are no imperfections. There are no unwelcome faces. The Bible tells us that from that day on, Mephibosheth ate at the table of the king. Today, family, we are rescued by the greatest king that ever lived. And we are invited to come at the table. We are invited to sit at the table. At the table of not a, an imperfect king, but at the table of the perfect king. Where all our imperfections can be taken away. Where all your troubles have been done with. Where all your sin can be conquered and forgotten. Because at the table of the king, even when we deserve to die, all of us have been rescued. So today, my invitation is the same as that of Jesus. Come to the table because you belong there.